Hello there. I've been looking forward to this. This is where the fun begins. Take a seat. Ladies and gentlemen, clones and clankers, welcome back to the Jedi Jargon Podcast. This is episode 17. My name is Jedi Master OB, and I first experienced the franchise through Lego Star Wars. And this is Jedi Master Jeff, the boy who faced Darth Maul at Disney World and lived to tell the tale. From the jump, guys, we're going to sound the spoiler klaxons for the finale of season 2 of The Mandalorian, chapter 16 The Rescue. <laughs> Dude, what did you, what did you think? Give me your, give me your like initial reactions. My initial reactions, uh, tears of astonishment and joy, um, were like my, you know, guttural reactions, um, like initial bodily reactions and emotional reactions. Um, I woke up this morning. I had to be at work at around 9.30. So I was up pretty early around 7.30 to give myself enough time to watch and get ready. And, man, I, I wasn't ready. I really wasn't. Um, I Who would have known that we would get that right. this soon? Right. Right? I had talked, and spoiler warning. Right, uh, from the job. I, I, you know, I, I think we've already issued the spoiler warning. But... I talked about this all the time with you and other fans and my my dad I've talked about this with. I always envisioned, you know, maybe the the ending of Manda of this series. You know, a couple seasons down the line maybe to be you know, maybe uh, Mando ends up finding Luke's Jedi Temple, his school, and leaves Grogu there and you know, we see a digitally de aged Luke Skywalker, uh, and that's where the series ends. You know, I, I kind of thought of it as almost a pipe dream, like several seasons down the line. Uh, but we got him. Yeah. Uh, he is back. And boy, was I not ready. And I don't think any of us were. Right. I, I, uh, so I stayed up because <laughs> I'm an insomniac and I watched it at three in the morning. And I don't think I like, I don't think like actual tears came down my face. I was like right there as I was watching, um, but I was I was cheering, I was clapping. Hopefully, you know, I didn't wake anybody up in the house. Oh uh, yeah, I was cheering too. You know, um, I was like sniffling, you know, like you do before you cry. <laughs> the lip was quivering, uh, man. And and afterwards, I was watching some streams of people reacting to it. And a lot of folks were getting, you know, misty-eyed at the at the fact that Luke came back, right? And we can get into that too, uh, which is definitely amazing. You know, never thought that I'd see it. It was yeah. it was beautiful in every single way. But the part that still like messes me up, and I've watched it now two times. I watched it again a couple hours ago, Same and here, just yeah. before we jumped on the chat, the reason I was late actually is because I was rewatching the last five minutes just to like just to feel something, you know. <laughs> um, and that ending though just mando giving up grogu to luke skywalker right it, it messed me up man it messed me up 
And I know that it's been building toward him taking his helmet off and, and whatnot. And we were talking just... about that theme being, you know, built up right. this season. Right. And and it was perfect. I mean, by the time the way they had to do it is so by the time he took it off, there would have been there had to have been no inhibition there keeping him from doing so. You know, he didn't pull him off into a side room in front of you know, away from everybody. He just whipped off his helmet right then and there, you know, no hesitation. And it was perfect. And you know, obviously, you know, uh, it was a full circle moment for, for both of them. Um, you know, taking off the helmet, the, the music, the shift in the music as well. You know, seeing Pedro Pascal getting all teary-eyed. Like, oh my god. Dude, it... I didn't want to watch it again today for a second time because I was still messed up from the first time watching it. It's right. almost like a year ago... What, what is it? A year ago tomorrow, you and I saw Rise of Skywalker? Right. And afterwards... You know, with with Ben's death and everything that happens, I was just so like, like you're almost in mourning. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I kind of felt that with this episode as well. Like, you know, not in a bad way, like in a good way. It was like it was so emotionally fulfilling. Um, I almost couldn't go back to it. I it, like for example, there's one movie that 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 hurt me so good. I've only seen once, uh, and that, that that would be Lava Land. <laughs> The rightful winner, um, the rightful winner of the Oscar, though it didn't win that year. Uh, yeah, but it hurt me so good. I've only been able to watch it once in theaters, and I can still remember it, you know, perfectly clear. And it's the same with this, you know. It, it, um, it's very prescient. Exactly, you and know? I had to jump right in the car and head over to work. I, you know, about a half hour drive for me, and the entire ride, pretty much, I was listening to various tracks from return of the jedi and mando for obvious reasons um and i was crying i was crying pretty good yeah on the first watch um it was really when you know din removed his helmet that it it kind of started like i was it's kind of like when you know not to get sad here but it's kind of like when you're at a wake or a funeral and you're kind of like on the verge of crying. And you're like holding you know, you're, it together. You're holding it together for the sake of your family members. But for then so one long person and... starts crying. Yeah. And then like one thing happens that kind of just sets you over the edge. And that yeah. for me, that was when he removed his helmet. Yeah. You know, I was already in such a, you know, I was in high spirits. I was like nearly crying tears of joy when I saw Luke. Well, that's right? the thing. That's the thing. It's like you. And I know we're going to do like a full breakdown of it, like in order and whatnot. But just to get into it now for a little bit. Um, when I saw Red Five, when I saw the X Wing coming in, like ob- you know, for, obviously we knew who it was, right? Um, and you're 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 so focused on how are they going to get out of the situation that it took a little bit for me to realize with the presence of Luke Skywalker, it meant like it, it had implications. It meant that oh, this is it's Grogu's time to leave, right? Right. And it took me a little bit, uh, and I think it was until. Grogu put his hand on the monitor and and Din came over and like, you know, was looking at it with him. And they showed them both like they showed they cut to Luke and then it cut to Din and Grogu. And I kinda knew in that moment, it's like, oh, oh God. It's about to happen. You know you know what I mean? Like you weren't you yeah. weren't focused on that immediately. Yeah, you were just so engrossed in the awesomeness of the moment that like you didn't like you knew that was gonna come, but you'd it wasn't in your mind in that moment when you were just experiencing everything for the first time. Right. Yeah, man. It, um, 
I'm just sitting here. I, I watched it again like an hour ago. Second time I did cry. I will admit I did cry. Uh, <laughs> it. I feel like all Star Wars fans cried today a little bit. You know? Right, right. And that's um, a good thing. And I think for, you know, a lot of different reasons. I know there are a lot of Luke Skywalker fanboys that felt like, you know, his his story was redeemed in some respect. And sure, you know, whatever. But I think that both The Last Jedi Luke Skywalker and The Mandalorian Luke Skywalker can coexist and both be true depictions of the character, obviously, because there's still like a like a 19-year difference. Um, right. Or 20-something-year difference in the story. Right. So... And what's cool about Mandalorian, if we do see any more of Luke, which I'm not, who knows at this point, right? Because we didn't think we were going to get him at all. Who knows how large of a part he'll play moving forward. But uh, we might see some of the, you know, the beginnings of that hermit Luke, you know? Who knows? Right. At this point. Right. Um and as Star Wars fans, you know, have a history of being, of course, the fandom was already divided uh, this morning on Twitter. Uh, people, you know, half the people were, you know, wicked excited about Luke coming back and how awesome he looked. And rightfully so. That's the correct opinion. <laughs> um, but there were also folks that were getting angry that it was fan servicey. And to that, I say just like, you know, go to hell. Go to hell. You know, just because something appears fan servicey, it, it isn't always what it, it appears to be. That doesn't diminish its meaning. But also, right? I, don't, I don't think it's fan service, because if you think I, about it, no. they were leading toward it the entire season, right? Right. So you think about it, uh, at the end of last season, the armorer says, you know, you will bring him to his kind. And for, okay, first we go to Ahsoka, and she's like, nah, like, no can do, can't train him, but go, do the, go to the Seeing Stone. And I'm pretty sure we mentioned, uh, you know, Oh, this is it's gotta be either Luke or Ezra or or someone or Cal Kestis. Cal Kestis, yeah. You know? And Who else could it be? Who There's else could it be? Exactly, left. exactly. And Ahsoka said that herself. Um she said, you know, there aren't many Jedi left. And it's like, okay, well then who's it gonna be? Oh, it's gonna be Luke Skywalker. So it's like when I saw Red Five, you know, coming into the coming into land, I wasn't too surprised. You know, it, it, it felt right. And the thing about exactly. the thing about good fan service, and, and, and I'm not even gonna say this is fan service. It's um, not. I'm not on that. The, the thing about bad no. fan service, I should say, is when you just stick a character, a legacy character in there for the purpose of sticking a legacy character in there. And when you think about it, if you think about where this sits in the timeline, you know, of course, Luke Skywalker is recreating he's reforming the Jedi Order. He's building his Jedi Temple. Yeah, this he is, is you know Absolutely, man. This is by no his means. By no means is this fan service because this is adding to his story. You know, we're 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 adding to the lexicon of Skywalker here. Right. We're not just throwing Luke Skywalker into look like thing, you know, as a set piece. Right. And it was he kinda, serves a purpose. Right. It was pretty funny, not gonna lie. To uh like listen, I don't I'm not a Raylo hater. You know, like listen, they I I don't care either way. Uh, it is what it is. I don't exist <laughs> I don't on. <laughs> I don't. I'm not really into the in the, in the ship community. <laughs> you know, we're we're on a we're we're a podcast. We're not we're not Tumblr creatures. Exactly. Um, I was I was about to say. That. Yeah, and there's nothing against it. You know, nothing against it. Uh, people, you know, shipping characters is is a big part of fandoms, and that's fine. And that's fine. You know, sometimes it works out like Raylo, 
and sometimes it doesn't like Finpo, though it should have, you know. But that's 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 another. Hey, well, no, uh, we could do a whole other podcast. Back to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. we could do a whole other podcast on Finpo. <laughs> uh, we should. I know. Look at look at you like hating on shippers, and then there you are. Like, <laughs> let's do a let's do an entire podcast on Finpo. Yeah, but at the same time, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, just I guess we're gonna go into it for a second. Um, my my whole point is <laughs> like, listen, go. you'll never see me putting, you know, putting an emoji in my name on Twitter to signify what ship community i'm with nothing against those who do nothing against those who do i just like to think that my you know my own personal fandom is a little more it's a little deeper than just you know one one uh one ship because then what happens is you get these folks who are you know really hardcore uh fans of the last jedi right and i love the last jedi it's probably my second favorite star wars movie right we've discussed this a number of times um but at the same time, you have these folks that are so, uh, so hardcore, like Ben Solo stands, right? That they end up hating on Luke Skywalker in the sense of like, because all of the Luke Skywalker stands. And again, if you're not involved in Star Wars Twitter, none of this makes sense to you, but just bear with me. Um, all of the Luke Skywalker stands after The Last Jedi were like poo pooing Ben Solo and like Raylo and that whole community. Um, so there's kind of like a war between the two of them. So last All this night, infighting. It's so, ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. So last night I was reading, or I, I guess this morning, I was reading all this stuff online, all this vitriol between like Raylo people and like all of this like emotional gushing from like Luke Skywalker stands being like, Luke's back, BB, you know, like they redeemed our <laughs> boy. And like, sure, like whatever. I think I already said that, but like, sure, whatever. To me, that wasn't the point of the episode. Like it wasn't really about Luke Skywalker. This is more like the culmination of, you know, Din Djarin and, and Grogu's relationship, and that's what matters to me. Uh, that's why I was emotional. Uh, of course, when I saw, you know, the green lightsaber and I saw, you know, I saw Luke and everything, of course I was cheering. Like, who who wouldn't be? You know, anyone with a pulse would be cheering when they when they saw that. Um, but to me, you know, it just it just sucks to see the to see the community divided over literally the simplest of things. And and one one contention that these Raylo people were having was, oh my God, you know. They're ruining the Mandalorian. You know, why can't anybody come up with, you know, uh, new content? You know, be creative, be original. And it's like, okay, listen. I we get... already know who the Jedi who are, like, we, we've talked about this several times. We know that there are not many Jedi left, right? Right. You have a limited pool. Who is pool. better equipped to train the child? Right. You have a limited pool of Jedi that could possibly come. And their criticism is, oh, you know, it didn't have to be this way. This is this is unoriginal. You're just going back to legacy characters. And to me, it's like, dude, like, what are you talking about? Like, the timeline is very specific. At this time, five years after the Battle of Endor, when the Mandalorian takes place, five or six years after, Luke Skywalker is the Grandmaster of the you know the New Jedi Order, right? So he is recruiting a bunch of Padawans and building a training temple. This is laid out very clear in the comic books in the Last Jedi. And then you have to say, okay, well, we have a prospective, a former Jedi Padawan, soon to be, you know, once and future Jedi Padawan, I should say, in Grogu. And you have to ask yourself, who is equipped to train Grogu? Who is currently out there in the universe at this time, you know, collecting Jedi? And and um, I shouldn't say collecting because they're not Infinity Stones, but, but rounding up Jedi uh, and training them. It's Luke Skywalker. It makes perfect sense for the story, you know? Exactly. And I don't know, it just, the discourse, like, I love Star Wars fans, I love Star Wars, but y'all gotta chill. 
y'all gotta chill. You gotta take what you're presented. And like we look into things very deeply, right? The one thing I don't like to do is I don't like to examine things through the lens of the like the studio politics of it. Like for example, with the with the Rise of Skywalker and the Last Jedi, you know the uh, the conflict, the supposed conflict that everyone was drumming up between J.J. Abrams and Ryan Johnson, and you know their creative control over the story and how they you know retcon certain things. It's like listen, I'm just here to watch a story. Um, and obviously, you know, that conversation is a little more relevant with the sequel trilogy than it is with the Mandalorian. Um, but I, I still think that it, even just having those conversations isn't, it's, it's kind of a non-starter with me because we're here to enjoy Star Wars. I'm not here to examine, you know, the, the politicking of, of Lucasfilm, uh, cause it's not going to get you anywhere because the story is already written. Um, right. And you just, can I have, mean, you know, criticisms for the story. But that's right? but that's exactly, but that's the thing. It's like when you look at a story like Star Wars, right, and you want to criticize the creative choices that were made, like, sure, you can do that, but as it says in the opening to the Revenge of the Sith novelization, I'm reading it here, I just pulled it open from my library, I'm sitting here, uh, it says, this story happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It is already over. Nothing can be done to change it. And the, and the rest of it's a beautiful introduction to that book. And I highly recommend uh, anyone read the book. Um, but my point, my point it, it, it stands. It's just that we're not going to change anything. Our job as podcasters is to sit here and talk about the story that we were presented and nerd out over that and discuss the larger implications for the universe. Our job isn't to, you know, sit here and nitpick creative choices, you know? I mean, maybe someday. Maybe someday. Um, I don't know. We I... get discovered by Lucasfilm. And oh, yeah. <laughs> the two of us are... Our job is to nitpick the story and come up with something. Um, but that's not our job. Uh, I would love for that to be my job. but <laughs> And maybe someday it will be my job. But it's not. <laughs> not today. Not today. Not today. No, we're, we're just two dudes. Story for another We're time. just two dudes trying to make our way in the universe. You know? And I, I don't really enjoy it when fans, when I go on, and, and of course, you know, negativity sells in the Star Wars community. The videos and the podcasts that get the most clicks are the ones that are very in negative. The Star Wars community? I think in the world at large, man. Right, but specifically Star <laughs> Wars, like the one, the, yeah. the people that get the most amount of attention are those that are negative. And I'm not here to be negative. I'm here to enjoy this beautiful mythos that we have been given and we have the privilege to enjoy. I mean, my heart, you know, I was I, I was thinking last night, I was thinking, you know, imagine all those folks that love Star Wars and Star Wars was like, you know, their bread and butter and they're not around anymore to see, you know, this renaissance. And it really is. It, I know people speak about the Disney renaissance for all like old Disney movies, but we're seeing a Disney renaissance for Star Wars uh, material. And I couldn't be more excited. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. Hey, thank you. You know, I think that and I, I think we talked about this in our last episode, but Star Wars works really well as a TV series. And I I wonder if the future of Star Wars might be, I mean, obviously in the immediate future is going to be based in, in, in live action television, right? Streaming. I wonder if the model would be better where you world build through the TV shows and then it all culminates in like a theatrical release because, yeah, the, because the problem the problem with the sequel trilogy arguably and i know i just said we're not going to nitpick creative choices but i'm going to do that for a second i guess um 
Well, not not in the sense of poo-pooing it, more so analyzing it. Let's let's just put it that way. I don't like when people poo-poo things for the sake of poo-pooing them. Uh, how many times can Ob say poo-poo in this episode? Uh, we'll get back to that one. But um, it. So the thing about the sequels, though, is that it needed a lot of supplemental material in order for it for them to stand. You know, a, a, a film series should be able to stand on its own. Uh, you know, objectively, uh, that's what the original trilogy did so well. Uh, the prequels, I think, were pretty good at standing, you know, standing on their own, uh, just in their world building. And unfortunately, a lot of the sequel stuff needed to be explained. Like, how did the First Order come around? You know, how did Palpatine come back? You know, all these things that I think would have been better served if they had been explained, either in an extended, you know, cut of the movie or, you know, if they had done, like, imagine if they had did like a TV show first, right? If they had did like the Mandalorian first, and if they had did uh, like Rangers of the New Republic to really build up like the the not not like the political background, but I guess the political background of the New Republic. So when the First Order reigns, you know, it, it's more impactful. Like, sure, it's great to read it in um, in Bloodline, you know, and and other supplemental books. But it's like you shouldn't have to really read it in a book. Um, though I did love those books; they're great books. Um, but my point, my larger point, is just that Star Wars I think works really well as a TV series, because you can really do a deep dive into characters, and world building, and the also the expectations are lower, because if you're getting one episode a week, and it comes out to what? I mean, how, how if you watched all these episodes back-to-back from the season of Mando, how long would it be? It'd be a couple hours, right? I mean, it's longer than, much longer than your average feature-length film. Right. You know, uh, probably still isn't as long as a Scorsese film or a Tarantino film, <laughs> but... No, I, I I kid. Those are just long as hell. Um, they can be, yeah. Yeah, they sure can. But just that the expectations are lower, right, in a TV show than it is in a film. Right. There's more room to play. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I remember having a conversation with you not too long ago, maybe about a year ago, and we were, you know, fresh off the heels of. The Rise of Skywalker, we were we were in the midst of the Mandalorian and we were enjoying it. But, you know, at the end of the Skywalker saga, we were kinda, you know, looking up at the sky, wondering what comes next, and we were worried, like, is this gonna become like Star Trek? Where it's just like, you know, the next adventure. What are we doing next? Oh, let's explore this frontier. Go here. The next generation. Enterprise. <laughs> you know, uh, Deep Space Nine. Let's go to Deep Space. You know, and it doesn't really like enrich the original story. You know, it just kind of like goes off into a new direction. And it's not doing that, which is pretty cool. Um, we're getting an enrichment of the existing material, right? We're getting a deep dive into an era that we haven't seen yet. You know, the the pre sequel era. You know. You know, I think that you're on to something there. I think that if you and I had been the age that we are now, you know, early, early 20s, when the prequels came out, I feel like we would have been probably a little pissed, you know, because a lot of folks that are that are, were our age then, right, you know what I mean? They weren't too happy with them. Um, and we've discussed this before, how the kids that are going to grow up with the sequels are going to love them and they're going to have a... They're probably gonna have a great revival, and with all the supplemental material we're getting through Disney Plus, you know they're gonna they're gonna fill in the story. I think pretty well. Um, 
but just imagine I think that we would have been in the same position then that we are in now and if you look back at how Lucasfilm has gone back and through the Clone Wars through Rebels through a lot of this other material they've gone back and enriched the story of the prequels and my it's my only hope that we're going to get the same thing with regards to the sequels you know a little more information about you know how did Snoke come around what was his deal you know, uh, how to kind of a little more about Palpatine, how he came back. I know that in this in this season of The Mandalorian, it was hinted at with using the blood of Grogu uh, to 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 clone you know people and whatnot. Um, we can get into that in a little bit too. Uh, we obviously didn't get a resolution to that little that little plot. We only got a couple of lines of dialogue where Moff Gideon said, "You know, I already used him for everything I need. I just wanted to study his blood." And I know there were some theories that were going around of, oh, you know, maybe he'll use that blood to give himself force powers. I think it might have been, it could have been that, but also looking at the, the bodies in the tank in, or in that episode in the middle of the season, uh, I really think that it could have been Little Snokes. I think that it could have been Snokes. Baby um, Snokes. Baby Snokes. <laughs> baby Yoda. <laughs> baby Snoke. No, but I think that uh, it's, I hope that that's explored a little bit more because, I mean, Moff Gideon survived this season. <laughs> against it, against all of his efforts, he survived. <laughs> I know, right? Um, so I think we're gonna hear more about that. Um, so I'm just I'm just so so excited. I didn't take notes on this episode. Normally, listeners, what Jeff and I do is we'll watch it a couple times. We'll take notes so we can go through the plot points and everything. But uh, it just this episode was so much that I just wanted to to hop on the chat and just kind of gush emotionally, just unload. Because this episode was a lot. It was a lot, but at the same time, what happened was pretty straightforward. So there's no need to get real deep into the nitty-gritty of it. And we right. we can and we will. But exactly. We, we're just here to talk and, you know, kind of gush, like you said. Because what this finale does, what it did very well, is it connects the past of Star Wars, right? It's rich history to what's going on right now in the universe, which is the story of Din Djarin and Grogu. Right. right. And it connects the two in a very unique way, and it kind of set it resets the table for season three and beyond right. with all these new spin-off series. Um, right. Because we know the direction that the characters are going in. But at the same time, like I said, it resets the table completely. Because right. Din Djarin is going to have his hands full with the liberation of Mandalore. You know, is he going to, you know, now that he doesn't have a kid anymore, for now at least, is he going to say, you know, Darksaber is kind of cool, and I think I might, I may want to lay claim here. I don't know. He's a little may, bit I like... I may want that throne, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he he's an empty nester, and he's got to go find out. He's got to go find himself again, because he's been a little preocupado for a little bit if you know what i'm saying right you know um a couple things i, I want to get into what we think for next season in, in a little bit but first i just wanted to pick your brain because i remember last season you and i would discuss kind of ad nauseum about the fact that this feels so different because it is so different it's a self-contained series about a bounty hunter well first of all i thought this was going to be totally different when we first heard about it's going to be about a story about a mandalorian and a bounty hunter I thought that it was going to be some self-contained thing. 
you know, very um, like Star Wars, like underworld type type stuff. And first of all, I'm very glad that it isn't, and I'm very glad with the way it turned out. But I remember last year you were saying that you liked that this was a self-contained story. We weren't really interacting with any important legacy characters, or there weren't any implications for the larger universe. And this season kind of dispelled with a lot of that. And I just wanted to hear what your thoughts are on that. Well, it worked well as a standalone piece. It kind of felt like a a one-shot Marvel comic, right? Where you just take a character, you kind of focus in on their story and their surroundings and their choices and actions, and you just kind of dive in there. Very narrow view. And that's how we started with the pilot, right? It's kind of a narrow view of this, you know, kind of self-interested bounty hunter, cold, not really all that concerned about anyone but it, but himself and his, you know, wallet. But that changes, right? You know, the, the, the universe for him starts to open up a bit. And his story... Din Djarin's story in, as an individual character in this show kind of mirrors that of the the scope of the show itself, right? Like, as we move along through the two seasons that we had, as we moved along to the two seasons we got, the show opened up a bit. It connected, oops, it connected to more parts of the Star Wars universe, just as Din Djarin himself opened up and connected to this child and learned more about the universe around him. He had no idea what the Jedi were. And I don't think he does <laughs> even now, right? But it's great. And I, I think it works very well, man. Uh, it doesn't seem forced. That's the thing. That's the thing. When you, when you have bad fan service, I think the way that that would look is it would have looked like when you had the Ahsoka episode where she takes over the episode and it's not about Grogu and it's not about Din anymore. It's about her. And she's and she she walks in and she totally upstages the action, right? But what we got was not if I'm not even gonna say it was proper fan service because it wasn't fan service, it was just proper storytelling. Because the story is called The Mandalorian, it's not the Ahsoka and Sabine show, right? Um and granted we didn't see Sabine, but my you know you know what you know what I'm saying. Um, we're probably gonna get her. We're probably gonna get her in the Ahsoka series. But whenever we got like a legacy character or a character from the main saga, it wasn't about them. It still the story still stayed focused on Grogu and Din Djarin. And that's what the important that's the that's the that's the central um importance to this. You know, when we bring back Boba Fett, for example, he's important to the story. You know, he plays his role. But it's not like the Boba Fett show. And when Luke Skywalker came back at the end of this episode, at the end of this season, it if you, if you notice, he didn't have a ton of lines of dialogue, right? And he only swooped in at the end, and only when there was no other option, right? So one thing I was wondering, and I think I spoke about this in yesterday's episode, I was wondering if Ahsoka would come back in, in this final episode to help rescue Grogu. And I now realize that that would have been the wrong choice for them, for the creators to make, because having a Jedi in this instance would have totally made them overpowered. You know, you would have had some OP main characters versus these uh, dark troopers. 
And the whole point is you need this central conflict that, oh, they can't beat these dark troopers. These dark troopers are, in, in essence, impenetrable. They're, um, for them, for them, they can't take them on, right? And if you had a Jedi there, she would have just sliced through them, and it, there would have been no problem. So you needed to have that conflict. They had to be down at their lowest point, and Din... First of all, Din, by the way, he... It's not like Luke came in and saved the day, and Din didn't do anything. He defeated Moff Gideon. You know, for a time, it looked like he had defeated the Dark Troopers. And if it had been fan service or if it had been a poor execution, Luke would have come in and saved the day before, you know, before things had gotten to the point where he needed to be there. You know what I mean? Right. And he came I in do. at the exact right moment for it to not be all about Luke Skywalker. Uh, and it, he came in at the exact right moment so as it wouldn't take away from the pre-existing action, right? And it just, I'm still shook, man. Uh, I mean, I know we're here, we're, we're analyzing it and taking it apart, but I'm still shook. It really was perfect execution. Yeah, and people will nitpick it, right? You know, people are going to look at the, you know, Mark Hamill's pre, you know, his uh, sort of deep faked face and say like, oh, it didn't look right. Should have just been Sebastian Stan or whoever. Which, by the way, it shouldn't have been. It shouldn't. No. Have been. I think if I they mean, were going to do a Luke Skywalker series, right, with him training Grogu and doing his training temple, which, by the way, they should totally do, right? I think that if if Sebastian Stan could do a Mark Hamill, right, in terms of his voice, I think I think they could pull it off. I think at least for this one, though, for the return of Luke Skywalker in his prime, it had to be Mark Hamill. You know, it wouldn't be sustainable to do an entire, even a limited series uh, about Luke Skywalker, you know, rebuilding the training temple. It wouldn't make sense for them to deepfake an entire main character for an entire TV show. You, you know what I mean? Like, for this, it made sense. Now. Right, right. But, like, it for this, it made sense because it was a short, ca- it was essentially a cameo at the end. Let's put this, let's just call it what it is. It was a cameo. Um and it's not like you saw his face the entire time that you saw Luke. You know, he was under his robes and whatnot. So the face and the voice weren't that important. But at the end, you know, you saw his face for what, like a minute and a half, two minutes? So that you could do it. But if you have a TV show where you're seeing him in multiple, you know, in multiple different, in, in different settings with, with different lighting and all this stuff, you know, it, it wouldn't be sustainable, I don't think. So I think in that instance, Sebastian Stan would be a great actor to play Luke Skywalker. I know you and I have talked about this where you don't think that... Well, I know you were saying you didn't want him to come back as Luke in this season, right? Are you opposed to him coming back as Luke at all? Because it's either you have Sebastian Stan or you don't have a Luke show. Which one would you pick? I would rather have Luke play a limited role kind of like this. Would you? And so long as Mark Hamill is still alive. Um, may he live forever, by the way. Right. Um, so long as he's still around, we only see Mark Hamill portray Luke. Like, I appreciate Solo. It was a fun movie, but it didn't need to exist. And it's kind of weird seeing someone else play Han Solo, even now, even after all this time it's been out. Like, I still don't, it just still doesn't really sit right with me. But according to that yeah. logic, are you also opposed to Lando? 
mean, or no, because he's not as important of a character, and you can kind of like suspend disbelief. He's not. No, he's not one of the Holy Trinity. You know, like Han Solo, Princess Leia, and Luke Skywalker. Like he's not. Mm-hmm. He's not as central to the original story as they are. He's not as like. I mean, he's iconic. Don't get me wrong. Billy Dee's Lando is iconic. But I guess seeing Donald Glover doesn't as Lando doesn't really bother me as much. Because he does a really good job. He, he does it's a perfect No, he does a good job of it though. Like he he sells it. He sells it and he he went for the he went in on that impression oh, God, uh, with dude. that performance and it was exactly, great. exactly. I, you know, I I think I'd be okay with the Sebastian Stan Luke Skywalker limited series. Just because when you think about it, most of the characters have already been recast. I mean, you have, uh, you have Ewan McGregor playing Obi Wan as a younger person. You have Hayden Christensen playing a younger Anakin. You know, right. it, it's been done. It's been done already, and I think that obviously, like it, it's not really the same thing because they were, you know, recast for an entire film series, show them, you know, decades earlier. Um, but I still think that it could work. I really do. Uh, and, and I understand, you know, it's the whole idea of, like, Harrison Ford saying he doesn't want uh, Chris Pratt to play Indiana Jones because only he should play the role, you know? Uh, which, like, I, I get. hard agree. Which I, I agree. I agree. I think it's a little weird when you have a legacy character like James Bond, for example, who it's the same character it's supposed to be, but it's played by different people who look very differently, and the role is kind of passed on, and they don't really try to make an effort at continuity. Uh, luckily, with Luke Skywalker as opposed to James Bond, if you were getting someone to play him, they would try to go for authenticity in terms of his look and his sound. So at least there'd be that. You know, it's not like you're recycling a character with a different person. Uh, right. But, no, I, 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 I'd, after thinking about it, I think I'd be more in favor of it now after seeing a lot of side-by-sides of the two of them. Um, and especially after this episode, because I want to see more of Luke. I don't want it to just be this one little thing. I, I want to see more of... Grogu, I want to see more of Luke, I want to see the training temple. Um, and I know a lot of folks actually were, were <laughs> wondering, oh god, does this mean that Grogu is going to be killed by Ben Solo? I don't see that happening. Well, first of all, I found out last night that Ben Solo didn't kill anybody in the training temple. He killed the jet, like if you, spoiler alert, spoiler alert for uh, Rise of Kylo Ren, he killed the Jedi that went after him. He didn't really have any interest in wiping out the entire temple a la Anakin uh, in Order 66. Right, he killed he the Jedi left. that he killed the Jedi that pursued him. Exactly. There were like three or four of them, if I'm not mistaken. And he didn't really have an easy time doing that. They were his friends, and he was still very much as we know, Ben Solo. As we know with Ben Solo, he was still very much attached and tied in many ways to the light. So even then, if you read the comics, he had a hard time killing those friends that went after him to try to bring him back. Right. Uh, so he had no interest in wiping out the entire temple. It's funny. I read The Rise of Kylo Ren, and I forgot that Ben didn't kill the student at the temple. Yeah. Wasn't it? It was Palpatine or someone, right? Or Snoke? I don't know. 
not I don't think that's even really known what happened to them like all the other students right. y- you can kind of intuit and assume mm-hmm. that they all went their separate ways kind of like Kanan Jaros and Cal Kestis after Order 66 but mm-hmm. who knows well that's well, th- th- well that's the that's the point it's that you know now that well we had, we had speculated oh what if he goes with Luke at the end of the show or whatever well, that just means he'll be killed when the temple's attacked. And I don't really know if that's the case, right? Because, you know, it's easy to say, oh, sure, he goes with Luke and the temple's eventually burned and he dies, right? But there's still 20-something years in between the time in which Grogu goes with Luke and the temple is burned, right? Right. So you have to think, how much training could they get, could could Grogu get in those 20 years? You know, I, and I get it, he's a toddler, at 50 years old so what's what's an extra 20 years to make yeah, it you know he's like the equivalent to like a very quiet four or five year old you know right so you have to imagine what he'll be in 20 years i mean he won't be that much more grown up um but i think that he'll likely escape so i want to talk about this for a little bit um i i wonder why they as in the, the creators of the show and the showrunners they made Grogu such an important part of the show from the very first episode and they decided to not make him a part of the series for the entirety of the series you know it was almost like he was just the first the the, fir- the mission of the first two seasons you know and I know a lot of folks only watch the Mandalorian because of Baby Yoda oh the Baby Yoda show and I reckon that a lot of folks are gonna want to leave and not watch the next seasons because he's not gonna be a part of it um so, so what, do you, what are your thoughts on all that? I still think he's going to be a part of it in some way. How? We may... I would imagine that we may still see some, like... Hopefully, we see some, like, training scenes or something, you know? Like, I wouldn't imagine we'd see much of it. But maybe a little. It'd be really cool if we did. Right. Um, obviously we, we've, we can see clearly the conflicts that they've been setting up, at least for Din Djarin, right? Like not, not even going into all the stuff with the other series. He's after, uh, well, he's kind of indebted to Bo-Katan helping right. her liberate Mandalore, which that's going to be interesting, right? I mean, he's well, going to be wild. I think that we're going to get a bit of a Jon Snow situation. In yeah. the sense that he's going to refuse the call, you know, refuse the um, refuse the throne. Essentially, he doesn't he doesn't care, and I don't think he will care. I think he will just miss the kid, and he'll be a little bit you know sad boy, depressed. Um, and well, first of all, I I want to talk about this. Moff Gideon was like, oh, you know, you are now the ruler of Mandalore because you bested me in trial by combat and she, you can't just give her the Darksaber. Meanwhile, in Star Wars Rebels, Sabine just gives her the Darksaber. So there's a, bit, a little bit of a continuity error, but I'll allow it. Well, yeah, I was thinking the same thing too. Like, Sabine just handed it to her in, in Rebels, but... I mean... I guess you could say that maybe Sabine was just holding it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she didn't win it in combat. She was just holding it because she kind of swiped it from Maul's lair, right? Like, 
Right, 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 right. She didn't she didn't really win it in combat, so it wasn't really like hers, but she was kind of the keeper of the saber. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that that's probably the logic there. Right. If there if there ever is any, you know, um if there is any. <laughs> <laughs> but um I mean Yeah, that's going to be interesting, man. And his heart's not in that. No. He doesn't really care. He cares more about the kid and how he's doing. So that to me is what makes this next season kind of a weird little like forced side quest that he's going to have to go on, right? Like does he really care about Mandal? I mean, no. Well, here's the thing. Like, when you when you let's take a step back for a second. From the very beginning of this series, we have been inundated with arguments, I suppose, from different characters who were opining about what it is a Mandalorian is at, at their essence. You know, wh- who is, what is a Mandalorian, right? And I think that we're going to get a deeper explanation of that next season. Like, sure, you know, I, I just really hope that this Grogu saga wasn't like a side quest. You know, I would love to see more of it. I don't think we are. I think that's all we're going to see of him. And it's really sad. And it's really sad because uh, it's almost like Ray and Ben, where it's like they were not like men for each other but i suppose they were uh and at the very end they still didn't even get to enjoy their own company because just as things settle down it's over and it's kind of the same thing here uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't i don't honestly man i don't see them going this hard with baby yoda and setting him up in the series for him to be just dropped i, I really you don't. think we're gonna see more i really i do and it might not come in the form of uh Mandalorian season three, it may, we may, I, I mean, my guess, and I saw some people talking about this, even regarding the Mandalorian season three, is always the possibility for time jumps, right? Like, yeah, you know, I, I don't see them doing kind of a lost thing where they've got like multiple different timelines kind of going at once, where like some of it's going on in the future, some of it's going on in the past. They wouldn't do that. Right, but maybe for a future season of the Mandalorian, or for a separate Luke and Grogu series, if they ever wanted to do something like that, like they could just jump forward in time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that maybe be... maybe explore and maybe explore this sort of Mandalorian, Ahsoka, Rangers of the New Republic, you know, triumvirate of series, right? Well, we like, know for a fact that we're going to get a lot of interconnected material. Right, and it's all leading to something, as they said, right? Oh, it's leading to the, an epic climactic event of you know epic proportion. All right, here's a hot take. Um, here's a hot take. I'm thinking if, if all these things are going to be together, uh, we're going to get the Ahsoka series with the Mandalorian, with Rangers of the New Republic. I'm going to venture to say, and this is totally hot take. I don't even know if I believe this, but it just popped into my head. We're going to see Thrawn trying to take over Mandalore. Uh, and Ezra and Ahsoka and Bo-Katan are going to team up with Mando uh, to fight him off, and it's going to be great. Yeah, kind of, yeah, almost like a a spin on the air to the Empire in the books, right. like Tron just completely taking over, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I totally think that that's the direction in which they're going. Uh, but my guess is that maybe we don't see Grogu until maybe even after that, right? It's po- it's very possible that the next few series, you know, sets of series that we get, next few seasons we get, including that crossover event, 
whatever form that may take. My guess is we, we you know, either either we get a time jump at some point and we see Grogu again, or, you know, they bring back Grogu, or be after that epic climax. Then we get a time jump and we see hmm. Grogu in the future. Um, Interesting. But regardless, I don't see him going away. Maybe going away for a little bit, unfortunately, but he's just too good. There's too much potential. The, the well, potential for the kid is limitless. He well, is the future. Well, I'm not right? even talking about Grogu by himself. I think the more the the, the fact the thing that I'm more upset about and not upset like I I think it was the right choice to make. It was a, it was a bold choice to make because what they could have done is they could have just ended this season with them saving Grogu and going on their merry way, right? But they made the tough choice of severing Din and Grogu's you know time together, right? For the good of the story. Because I think it maybe would have become a little stagnant <laughs> after the third season. Um, well, then again, what they what they could have done is they could have kept Grogu with Din, could have defeated Moff Gideon, and the third season could have been them together, and then the conflict with Bo-Katan over the Darksaber. Something like that. But regardless, I think it was the correct choice for them to do it, but it's sad nonetheless. The, the thing that I'm more so like upset about, I mean, it's sad. You're, you, you watch it and you're upset. You're sad that they are no longer together. And I don't think they will be getting back together um, for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, with all these new projects coming up, you're right, the, the potential is limitless. Yeah, and the potential for him as a character for Din? individually is limitless, literally. Yeah. He is the future of the Star Wars universe. Um, so, yeah. I mean, like, he's not going away for good. He wasn't just a throwaway side quest, you know? Well, like, well. also, let me just mention, I don't know if you felt the same way, but when I was watching this episode, it felt an awful light lot. And that felt an awful lot like a series finale. I know there were a lot of things left, you know, unexamined, specifically with the, the Mandalore plot um, and, and a lot of the stuff with uh, Cara Dune, which we'll probably see more in Rangers of New Republic. Um, and there was a lot, there's a lot more to see with Din Djarin, right? But it felt a lot like a series finale. It did. I you know, agree. it felt like a very final ending to all of it. And if not an ending, such a, you know, monumental change of direction that, right. Which is what I hope the series as we know it is done, you know? Well, I, I hope that's more of what it really is as opposed to like an ending, because I know if you stayed and watched the entire credits, which you should have, um, see, I did just because I was so shook I couldn't turn it off. Right? You know, I'll normally listen to the um, listen to the main theme play over the credits, and then once it once the music stops, I'll just turn it off. But this time, I just sat there just staring at the screen, and of course, we get a post-credit scene with Boba and Fennec Shand at Jabba's palace, and Boba goes and totally mercs Bib Fortuna, and takes over. As I suppose, uh, whatever the new position, Jabba. yeah, the new the new Jabba, the new Bib Fortuna, and then we get a little title card saying that the Book of Boba Fett is coming December of 2021. So that makes me wonder, because I think there was a another series that was announced on Disney Investor Day last week, and it wasn't shown to the public. I don't know if you watched the video, but it was like Kathy Kennedy talking, and then they like cut away for like a couple minutes. And I'm guessing is it was her talking to the investors about this new, I'm hoping this new series. 
uh, because my fear is that the Book of Boba is going to be season three of The Mandalorian. Yeah, and there's been a lot of confusion about that, and I'm sure they'll clear it up soon. I hope so, because I hope we get more Mandalorian Mandalorian. You know, I want to see Din Djarin on his adventures, you know, doing his thing. You know, and, and I get it. It'll be a tough act to follow. I mean, you just, this was the, the biggest crescendo in the history of crescendos <laughs> uh, in TV, I think. And it'll be a tough act to follow, but I the still king think... of all cameos ever. Oh, right. Right. But not even, like, besides the Luke Skywalker cameo, I mean, this this show was the Din and Grogu show for, for, for two years. Right. And, well, I guess one year, if you're speaking like a calendar. Uh, and I don't know how they're going to they're gonna top it. I think they'll be able to with a new Mandalore plot and really tie in all the elements of, like, the history of Mandalore with the Clone Wars and all that, uh, the Mandalorian Purge. But I don't know how they're going to do it. But at the same time, I hope they try, and I hope they do it, and I hope that the Book of Boba Fett is its separate thing. I've heard that people were saying, oh, well, since the Mandalorian's episodes are divided into chapters, the Book of Boba Fett seems like the next part, and that makes logical sense. You know, when you think about it, it, it could be. I just really hope it isn't. I know that Din Djarin has so many more stories. Um, I want to see more of, I want to see more Mayfeld. I want to see more Grief Karga, you know. And Boba Fett, again, Boba Fett's going to get the mall treatment. And he totally deserves it. He does. He totally deserves it. Him and Fennec Shand on, the, on their own show. You know, I, I hope it like intersects and weaves through, you know. But I hope they get their own thing. And I hope we get to keep seeing Din Djarin, you know in his own show. You know what I mean? Yes. Because I'm, like, listen, I'm very excited for a potential Boba Fett TV show. Um, I think that The Mandalorian is going to serve the purpose that Lucasfilm originally thought that Solo would serve in terms of spinning off a bunch of new Star Wars projects and creating a whole new uh, depth to the universe in that kind of interregnum between the um, original trilogy and the sequels. Right, and that's and it's totally cool. It's totally cool. I'm I'm totally with it. Um, I just hope that it's its own thing. You know, it's like it's almost like if you gave Iron Man the first two movies, and then for the third movie you gave it to Captain America, and it's like, oh, like no, give him give him his own thing. You know. I yeah. So I mean, I I really don't. It, that would be so confusing, right? I don't I don't think that. The Book of Boba Fett is the Mandalorian season three. I really don't. Um, it makes a lot more sense because they've set up so much for Din Djarin himself, right? He is now, at least for now, the wielder of the dark saber. In a way, kind of heir apparent to the throne of Mandalore. Um, so there's a lot there, right? There is. I don't think that that is something that can be kind of presented parallel to the storyline of Boba Fett in one series. Totally, that would make no sense, right? Like, they're in two separate places doing two separate things. Right, and they have two set completely different sets of motivations. Exactly. It just You know, like, Boba wants to be a crime lord and Din doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, having the series kind of you know, weave back and forth between the two, no, that's just not, that wouldn't make any sense. Not the way. And I don't, no, that is not the way. This is not the way. 
Uh, it's going to be a separate show. That's what I'm leading towards, and that's just what makes more sense, right? I also don't think it's going to be a book because you wouldn't do a post-credit scene to pu- to push a book, even though it's called. The- <laughs> and, and furthermore, furthermore, you wouldn't write a book called the Book of Boba Fett. You know what I mean? Oh man! Like it just—that's just a crappy title. It's like Del Del Rey Star Wars. Like their Instagram account is like all excited now. Well, we like, are getting a Mandalorian. The book of Boba Fett is coming. We are getting a Mandalorian novel this coming year. That's the, that's the thing. So I wonder. It's an original Mandalorian novel. I also hope that the title "The Mandalorian" is referring to Din Djarin and is not referring to Mandalorians in general. It's either it's either referring to Din. Jaren or Grogu, if you ask me. I don't think it'll be about Grogu. I think Grogu's done. That's my hot take. There's no way he's done, man. Not think of him, I mean, just think of it from like a financial point of view. No, like I understand. Disney, I like... understand. But I think that I don't see Grogu coming back to Din. Unless of it's course, not going to come back to Din, but I don't think. Well, well what done. I'm saying is like the only way that it would work is if if Luke was like. This dude has too many attachments to you. I need you need to take to take him and blah blah, um, which they could have done that too. They could have done in the episode. That could have been you know Luke comes in, and he senses Grogu's attachment to Din, and he's like I cannot train him just like Ahsoka, and he's like he is yours now. You know they could have done that, and that would have been fine. But, but it makes a lot more sense that Luke would not have those. He probably sensed that. But he didn't have the same reservations as Ahsoka because he didn't see his best friend like fall to the weaknesses of uh, attachment. Like, right. yes, like he he's like kind of learned like he's in a much different place. Um, I guess you could say spiritually mm-hmm. um, than Ahsoka because he is learning from the sins of the father. Right. right. Like. Yeah, he's well aware of the dangers of attachment. Right. I think fighting the, them himself. I think the one thing, if I could change one thing about this episode, when Din takes off his mask and he's saying goodbye to Grogu, if he gave him the ball. That would have been so good. I mean, I would have lost it right then and there. And I already pretty much was. I was already losing it. Yeah, exactly. You know? Um, cause it was already, you know, a totally perfect full circle moment, but just that little extra little, little seasoning on top would have just done it even more for me. And again, this was pretty much a perfect episode. I am not gonna, we're not in the business of rating episodes here. Uh, I, I don't think that it serves a purpose. I think we used to do that, but it's just like, why it's all good. You know, all star Wars is star Wars. Right. Yeah. What does our rating do for any of you? Right. Right. But one thing I will say, I tweeted this out from the Jedi Jargon account on Twitter. Uh, do follow us on Twitter at Jedi Jargon Pod. Uh, shameless plug. I said that this goes to show us that we can get post-credit scenes. Didn't we get one in Solo too, or was that just me? No. 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 Okay. I don't think we've ever seen one in Star well, Wars. Okay. Movie. So that being true, now that we have established that post-credit scenes can be done in Star Wars, why not put out a special edition of The Last Jedi and it portrays Palpatine's message to the galaxy? That as a post-credit scene? Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. 
totally would have like it it wouldn't have made any sense to put that in along with the last jedi because a that plot had not been written yet well i mean B, it would if it had been written it would have made sense because it would have yeah. you know it ties it together i but know I, and I think if, that... if the sequels were managed a little bit more at, like the mcu i mean that would be pretty cool but well, that's like... the thing about the mandalorian too i th- you can tell that the creators of the show sat down and mapped out the plot mapped out the major plot points and the interconnections and everything just like the mcu right whereas i don't understand how they could get you away have, with like, it the father of the mcu at the helm right and, and it's like i don't understand how the people that did the sequel trilogy how they could not map out the major plot points of their saga which that's a whole we could do a whole nother pot on that i'm not i'm not complaining i'm just saying that that's what's great about the mandalorian is that everything seems to be mapped out right you know so anyway I am. But look at where we are in our conversation right now, man. Like, I have no idea. Yeah, I've said all I have to say. The. I, I'll keep going back to this phrase, but like, the table has been completely reset for all of the characters involved. We have our opinions. You don't think Grogu is going to play a part anymore in the future. I mean, of the I Mandalorian. Even, I don't even of the Mandalorian. I don't even disagree. I don't even disagree, but like I don't know where I stand on that. Like because they've opened it up so wide. Right. right? I will say this though. If this is the end for Din and Grogu, I'm totally happy with that. You know, it's like it was the the most satisfying way they could have done it. Just like with with Ray and Ben, there was no way they were going to end up together. He was a mass murderer, you know? Like it wouldn't have worked. You know, they no. had to they had to kill him off at that exact moment. And I think if they had kept Grogu on, it would have just been a little bit of dead weight. I mean, he's a Jedi. He needs to go be a Jedi, you know? He needs to fulfill his destiny. That's a good place to stop. All right, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, the pod will be with you always. Always.